The Guardian. The Guardian live at the Edinburgh Fringe 2008. Right, we have just stepped off stage at the Guild Balloon after doing the podcast show. We've had a great time. David O'Doherty closed the show for us. We had wonderful guests on today. We had Tom Rigglesworth, we had the School of Comedy, we had Jill Gascon, we had Harry Deansway from The Fix and The Guardian. It was a great show. Let's join the show just as I'm about to welcome our first guest. The Guardian Live at the Gilded Balloon. Our first act this morning, one So You Think You're Funny, in 2003, he's been described as both mild-mannered and dynamic. He's performing his show every night at the Pleasance at 6pm. Please welcome Tom Rigglesworth! Yeah, good morning. Morning. I've never started a gig by saying good morning. Um, well, I have actually, but it's been like the other, you know, it's been so late. It's been good morning. So genuinely, I mean, good morning. Can you all see me? Well, let me get this out of the way. Um, uh, so that's better. Now, here I am. Uh, I'm a very thin man, you see. That's the, um, that's the problem, isn't it? I've got a unique diet, though. I, I eat what I want. Um, I have two rules regarding my diet. I can eat whatever I want, provided I buy it from a supermarket. And provided the item was picked up by someone else, but then put back in a random place. <laughs> Who are these people? You know when you just see a tin of peaches by the washing powder? And someone's clearly just gone, I'm not having it, you can't make me, you're not my dad. <laughs> and you say, well, hang on a minute, what was it about the washing powder that made you put the peaches back there? Did they, <laughs> did they get halfway around and go, well, you know, we can't make a trifle and do the laundry. Or did they read the washing powder and it says, well, it removes blood, grass, egg, but there's nothing there about peach juice. <laughs> I'm not chanting that new shirt. I once saw a, um, a big packet of nappies dumped by the whiskey. <laughs> that must have been a dark moment for someone. That must have been an all-time low. When, when adult inebriation versus infant hygiene, fucking whiskey won. That's not a choice, is it? It's like I heard uh, two women in a queue the other day. I overheard them talking, and, um, and one said, uh, I said to my husband, you can either go on holiday or get your eyes done. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a choice, is it? <laughs> I stuck around. I, he actually went on holiday. <laughs> I thought, God, I hope it wasn't skiing. <laughs> <laughs> I did go skiing. Right? Now, now, I don't know if anyone here has um, had experience renting a car abroad. I'm sure most of you have, if you're if you Guardian readers. Uh, I assume it's cropped up at some stage. It's an expensive do. Um, and I went with a few friends to the Alps skiing, and um, we needed additional drivers. That bumped the cost up. And then we needed snow chains, more money. And then the woman says, oh, and your insurance excess is €4,000. And you think, what? Uh, you mean I'm not even insured until I do €4,000 worth of damage? Because <laughs> I can't relax now. Yeah, it's not a holiday, is it, knowing that one minor prang and you're financially ruined? That's, that's, not, that's not conducive to relaxation at all. You know what I mean? A little, 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 little incident, and you might as well go on a rampage, because the holiday is over, as far as... You, that, that, you know, clip a wing mirror, you might as well plough through a school, because <laughs> the holiday part is finished. It's long gone. We, oh, and then she says, oh, you can waive the excess. You can waive the excess for 400 euros. And then you think, oh, you bastard, now you're asking me to gamble. How good a driver I think I am versus the conditions on the road. My dad said to drive like twats. We did it. We waived the excess, right? We paid and waived the excess. And, um, and I said, oh, hang on a minute. If we waive the excess, we don't need the snow chains. <laughs> <laughs> I 
That's what we did. We bashed and smashed about for two weeks. The car was completely ruined by the time we took it back. But you know, one night we got so pissed we actually drove it down a mountain. <laughs> no, we were doing all right until we hit the moguls. And then as we were being airlifted to safety, <laughs> the helicopter pilot said, why don't you have snow chains, lads? Uh, and I said, from my stretcher, because we'd wave the excess. And it must have been like that in the supermarket with the nappies. They must have gone, well, if we drink all this whiskey, we won't smell the shit. <laughs> Cheerio. Tom Rigglesworth. Sister Cities, written by Colette Friedman, has been performed all over the world. It's now here every night at the Gilded Balloon. Described as a dark comedic play, it stars the international television star and novelist Jill Gascoigne. Uh, Jill, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Are you, uh, are you enjoying Edinburgh at the moment? I'm loving it. It's wonderful. I've not been here for years. I lived in Scotland for ten years, and I haven't been back for ten years. It's, it's really wonderful. I mean, it's a great town. But it's, I mean, you live in L.A. now. So I do, yes, presumably yes. Th- I mean, this must be the wettest Edinburgh ever. Well, the, the, the rain is softer than it is in L.A. We don't get much of it in L.A., but it really does come down like hell when it does. You know, so, yeah. And uh, uh, have you had a chance to run into any of your old uh, yes. sparring partners? Sparring partners. Well, uh, uh, chums. Yes. <laughs> well, from here, I kind of waved at... Uh, who was it now? Simon Callow came in, and he was just going through the door. I said, hi, Simon, because we see him. And Barry Cryer, who's a great old friend, wonderful. Oh, really? have, you, have you worked with Barry? Yes, I have. In the 50s, we were in a show together. What was that? Espresso Bongo. <laughs> There's silence. Nobody remembers it. <laughs> That's always the way. And sometimes I forget the name of it anyway. But that's where we met. Uh, your show is on it. Is it 6.45 yes. uh, every night? Yes. Uh, Sister Cities. Yes. Uh, uh, can you tell us something about it? It's a black comedy. I mean, it isn't something that a lot of people roar there because she's, she's dying. I'm playing a woman who's dying. I'm, actually, she's dead, but I'm not supposed to tell you that. I'm <laughs> I, otherwise, it's ruined the entire thing. If you haven't seen it now, you know what's going to happen, for crying out loud. But the, it's, uh, she has four daughters by four different men. She's had, not she has, she's had. And she's now got ALS, yes, which I don't know whether you know it's Lou Gehrig's disease. It's terrible, so she wants to die. And that's basically what it's based on. And it's about suicide and mothers, and now you don't need to see it. <laughs> Because I've told you the stories. The girls are wonderful. The girl who wrote it is in it. I mean, she's a wonderful actress, and she's—it's her first big play that she's ever, ever written. And it's like she's been writing for a thousand years. It's beautifully written, and wonderful to do. Uh, but it's also—it's packed with lot. I'm—I'm I'm in. Uh, I'm on in that venue straight afterwards. Yes. So I sit in the dressing room, and uh, people are roaring throughout. Well, they are because it—it is that black comedy, and the girls when they get together are quite spiteful. They haven't seen each other for a long time, and they're arguing. They obviously argued, and the mother was not the greatest mother in the world. In fact, she obviously because she loved men. She was always going off with different men. Now she can't move. <laughs> Shattered. Shattered. Um, <laughs> the, uh, that dressing room, we have a great deal of fun in. If I may. <laughs> if I may. <laughs> No matter what time I enter that dressing room, the same girl is always naked at the moment. Do I tell her name? It's not fair, is it? Well, you know. Well, she is the most beautiful of us. And she has this beautiful body, and it's constantly on show. Poor girl. She is doesn't that, really is mean that, it. Is, is she naked for the whole 20 minutes? Is no! That why it's always not just just for a second while she's changing her clothes. That's when you walked in. What? It does kick... With I'm a friend I'm of yours. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yesterday there was a friend. And yes. she went bright red. Well, I wasn't looking. I didn't know, ah. she, I didn't know any of her had gone red. No. I, I, <laughs> uh, I, 
I don't know. It's, it is. It's becoming. Uh, I mean, I must look quite rude. I haven't. I'm, I'm. I'm thinking of starting to knock uh, before. <laughs> There's nudity in the show, isn't there? In the, in the play. That's what uh, they well, say. Th- th- well, yes, there is. Yes. So come and see bit. the show, Miles. We all get naked. But yeah. Well, n- no, they don't all get naked. I definitely don't get oh. naked. Not at my age, for crying out loud. No, I'm, I can't <laughs> even better look at myself in the mirror, let alone show anyone else what's going on. No, she, she, <laughs> she, she lifts something and shows her titties for a little bit. You know. Well, it sounds great. <laughs> um, uh, you're married to uh, Alfred uh, Molina. Yes, uh, yeah, yes. Is, is he over here supporting you? Uh, he came briefly because he's now he's now gone back because he's doing a movie in oh, Morocco. Really? Yes. In Morocco. Yes. What, what's what's he doing there? He's doing a movie called Prince of Persia. Does he's he get to ride a horse? A, a camel, I'm afraid. No, an ostrich. What am what? I talking about? <laughs> or is it a camel? I know they had a lot of problems with the ostriches because ostriches don't do what they're told. You know. And they do a lot of rather nasty stuff. And I won't go into that details because it's very early. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to train an ostrich apparently is a nightmare. But as I'm never going to attempt it, it doesn't really matter, does it? No, no. You're not worried about the thought of him gadding about the desert on an ostrich that's misbehaving? Mm-hmm. No, 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 not in the least. <laughs> <laughs> not in the least. You know, I have to tell you very quickly. You know, the other day there was a, uh, they got a picture of my head and they put it on somebody else's body in The Scotsman. And I feel like, yes, they did. And it was a very, very thin woman. And I suddenly realized (laughs) that maybe I don't want to look thin because my head was bigger than her body. They put it on. It was real. Was, was, was it like a sort of paparazzi thing? Was well, it I don't know what it was. It was so strange. Jill Gascoigne is off to see her best friend, her greatest friend, and uh, that, that, that was Joan Rivers, and we've met twice, and I <laughs> love her. But she, we're not greatest, greatest friends, God bless her. Was it and Joan Rivers' body that you did? No. <laughs> I wouldn't have minded that, actually. At least it would have been funny, nice. And uh. she, the, the, uh, this person whose body it was had put her foot up on this table, and she had a red kilt on, and <laughs> sort of these tights, and she was doing that. Now, I have never done that in my life. <laughs> we couldn't believe it. They just did it. They don't ask permission or anything. You'll probably have to cut all that out, won't you? No, it's perfect. No, we've had oh. people on slagging off their own Guardian reviews, so it's... Uh... <laughs> oh, well, no, no. no. I like the Garden. I, g- I get it weekly when I'm in L.A., because it's the only decent newspaper there. Oh, dear, they might cut that out. Then. <laughs> I'm afraid they'll probably keep that in there. Oh, so. right. <laughs> Sister Cities is on at the Fringe until uh, uh, right here at the Gilded Balloon, 6.45. Catch it if you can. Please show your appreciation for the wonderful Jill Gascoigne. Thank you. School of Comedy made their Edinburgh debut last year, performing to sell-out crowds and attracting the attention of Channel 4. It's a group of 12 to 16-year-olds doing comedy sketches for adults. Their show is on the rest of the Fringe, 140 at the Pleasance. Please welcome School of Comedy! Alright, cock and it proves then. Hello boys, this is me, Oscar Wilde. Also a playwright, raconteur and bummy sexual. <laughs> I've written a new book, it's called The, uh, the Importance of Being Earnest. If you ask me, it should have been called The Importance of Being In Earnest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, yeah. Um, I was in the sauna the other night, I get a lot of my inspiration from there. Um, with a friend, uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, uh, or as I like to call him, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Oh, yes, I do. Um, yes. <laughs> he said to me, he said, um, Oscar, those Prussians, they do like sort of goose-step around, don't they? And I said, as quick as a flash, lightning quick. I said, I said, yes, well, to goose-step is one thing, but to step on another's goose is something entirely different. <laughs> I did, yes. Uh, um, that's one of my uh, witticisms. Uh, be prepared, I will just sort of 
come out with those um, spontaneously. Um, now, um, it's a very exciting part. I'm going to read you an extract from my book. Um, it's called Oscar Wilde's Lovely Story. Came up with the title myself. Um, hope you like it. It was early June, and Julian was undressing in front of the mirror. His long, golden hair cascaded down his shoulders. And she couldn't go on. She couldn't leave him. And it was very funny at the time. <laughs> we did have the most wonderful laugh about the whole situation. It was absolutely brilliant. And he mounted his steed and went through the forest at, 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 at great speeds, wind flowing through his golden hair and, and brandishing a sword. And then he get off, and he was face to face with the beast. A few vicious blows with his blade, and he and he pushed him back and, and, and further back. And turning page, and so I bumped him. <laughs> um, I'm just a little confused. Yeah, James was doing so well last year. Now you say he has learning difficulties? No, no, I said he was backwards. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, same thing, I guess. And, and you want to take him out of your class? Mmm, mmm, he's just really annoying. <laughs> annoying? Mmm, he does this uh, chewy thing with his mouth. Winds me up! Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, he has a cleft lip, Mr Mills. Mm, <laughs> tough love. <laughs> uh, anything else? Yes, he sounds like a girl when he talks. He's eight. Not my problem. <laughs> Book. And his spelling... He's a bag of shit. He's dyslexic. Oh, no, it's so funny. Get him through the alphabet. Get him through the alphabet really fast. Cracks the class up. You're his teacher. <sighs> this is me getting bored. I'm a bored teacher. Well, I'm not tolerating this kind of... Hey, look, it's not just me, all right? Mark Anderson thinks his son's a bit of a spaz, too. Yeah. Mark Anderson bullies our son. Everyone bullies your son. He's a freak. <laughs> Listen, the thing is with a dust James. That's the badger. Yeah, you know, he's got no real future. You know, get him a job sort of selling crack cocaine or <laughs> collecting trolleys. Huh? Medical testing. <laughs> he, he wants to be a vet. Not happening. I would like to speak with the head, please. Sure. David, yes. how you doing? Um, what do you think of James Willis? Fucking retard. <laughs> <laughs> Where is that little shit? Get him through the alphabet real fast. You'll laugh your little tits off. <laughs> School of Comedy! Every day we welcome a Guardian journalist onto the stage to give us their top tips and recommendations. Harry Deansway writes for the Guardian. He's also the editor of The Fix, a pretty groovy easy. I don't know what one of those is, but it sounds smashing. Uh, he's been out and about seeing comedy. He's here now to share with us the fruits of his findings. Please welcome Harry Deansway! Harry, how are you? Very well, thanks. Are you, are you in a show? No, no. Just wondering. Do, do I look like a performer? Um, <laughs> re really not my place. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> uh, no you, uh, you edit The, the Fix. Uh, I do, yeah. what, what is an e-zine? Um, it's a magazine that's run out of my bedroom. Yeah. Have many things run out of your bedroom? <laughs> uh, no comment. Right. <laughs> Before we get your top tips, as a newcomer to the podcast, uh, we need to establish your podcast ranking on the Guardian Journalist leaderboard. Anna, the leaderboard! They get free tickets for every show, but to just how many will they go? The Guardian leaderboard! 
and a particularly lovely bikini this morning. Um, <laughs> here it is. Now, uh, this is the Guardian Journalist leaderboard. Uh, and what it is, you see, uh, I don't know if you're aware of this, basically it's the, the most number of shows that a Guardian Journalist has been to see in a day. And then at the end of the festival, the person who's been to see the least is put against a wall and shot. Uh, so... <laughs> Paul McInnes, it's a Guardian-sponsored uh, revolution. Cornelius Lysert, he's seen 7.5 shows mm -hmm. uh, because his amount was times by 1.5 because he actually paid to see them. Oh. <laughs> right, very rare thing. Where, where would you fit into the Guardian leaderboard? Near the bottom. No. Yeah. Well, how, how many? <laughs> Four. <sighs> now, it's qu it's uh, quality, not quantity. Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, they, they only count, though, if you can name them all in, uh, in 20 seconds. Okay. We're doing, struggling not to. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, 20 seconds, go. Uh, Michael Barrymore. Um, oh, God, I forgot the name of the show. Uh-oh. Oh, the clock's ticking. Yes. Uh, Archer Art, uh, Limmy's show, Fresh for 08, and Ed Axel, Do I Really Have to Communicate With You? You've managed it somehow. 15 <laughs> seconds. Very good. That actually just second from last place. If Paul McInnes comes back and sees five shows, you could yet be shot. Uh, <laughs> uh, just very, very briefly, can I ask you about Ed Axel's show? I saw it yesterday. I thought it was one of the most extraordinarily brilliant things I've ever yeah. seen. There's no show. It's genius. <laughs> it's no material, no jokes, but it's the funniest thing you will, you will see. Yeah, it's hilarious. He, he does have a big pad of paper that he occasionally writes and draws on as well. Yeah, he? and there's a quiz at the end where you get the answers before the quiz starts. It's, it's <laughs> very, very surreal, but a lot of fun. What are, the, what are the best shows that you've seen then in the last couple of weeks? I've seen some really great shows. There's loads of great stuff happening up here. Uh, the Meeting. Oh, yes. Now, tell us about that. Is that when people are taken away to a bunker? Yeah, you... <laughs> or similar. Yeah, you meet in the Pleasance Courtyard and you're taken to an office building where you're taken into a big meeting room where uh, a meeting takes place. Uh, Is there a meeting theme? Yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, yeah, so there's just three guys in the meeting. They're like, come in, welcome to the meeting. And then you sit for an hour and you have the most pointless meeting <laughs> in the world. <laughs> You know, notes are passed around and uh, memos and there's arguments and, you know, you, you have to sign a birthday card for someone right. in the office. You know, it's, re it's, really, it's really great fun. Yeah. <laughs> and there's also a card going around for someone who's ill, so you right. can't get them mixed up. It's very, very clever, very, very funny. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I've heard great things about that, actually. And what, yeah. uh, uh, what else have you seen? Uh, I've seen Simon Munnery. The excellent uh, Simon Munnery, Your yes. colleague who's obviously been coming up to the festival for you know, 20 year, over 20 years, and he is like the comedian to see at the Fringe, I would say. He's uh, is there anything else on your to-see list for the rest of the week? Yes, uh, John Panette, who is just a fat, funny American. <laughs> <laughs> you can't go wrong with that. No, well, you, you've said that on the Guardian podcast. Now he can have that as a Guardian quote. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That'll make them sound less liberal. Uh, <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Harry Hello. Deansway! If anyone is taking this festival by the proverbial storm, it's my next guest. He's performing nightly to packed houses at the stand. He's sharing accommodation with Josie Long and Maeve Higgins in Edinburgh's most whimsical flat ever. Please welcome David O'Doherty! <laughs> The year is 1975, the 18th day of December. And as a storm rages over Dublin City at a maternity hospital, a child enters the world. Born to the O'Doherty family, 
They named the boy David after the biblical ass kicker. Look at his hands, says his father as he sees them for the first time. Look at his hands like he was born to hold a golf club. One day, my son will be the greatest golfer who has ever lived. Fast forward 12 days to the 30th day of December, 1975, and at the Alhambra Medical Center in Southern California, another child enters the world. This time, born to the Woods family, Earl and Coltida. They name the child Tiger, but he soon gets the nickname Tiger. Look at his hands, says his father as he sees them for the first time. Look at his hands, like he was born to hold a microphone. One day, my son will be the greatest stand-up comedian who has ever existed. Fast forward 10 years, Mr. O'Doherty is becoming increasingly frustrated at his son's lack of progress. He doesn't seem interested, spending hours hitting crappy golf balls into the jam jar he's sunk in the middle of their turd box back garden. No, and he's dismayed how the boy seems to enjoy much more making quips and wisecracks about the game. Look, Dad, a sandwich. (laughs) Can we have lunch now, please? Meanwhile, in Southern California, Mr. Woods is becoming increasingly frustrated at Tiger's lack of progress, too. He doesn't seem interested in working on his jokes or traipsing around the state entering young comedy talent competitions. No, and in the competitions that he does enter, the judges all notice how weirdly midway through his routine, Tiger likes to grab the microphone stand with two hands, grip it at the top with the Varden or overlapping grip, and swing it around his head in a perfect elliptical arc. Hmm... Fast forward to March 1997, and Mr. O'Doherty is heartbroken when his son announces his intention of becoming a professional stand-up comedian. Mr. Woods is heartbroken too when, midway through a three-night engagement at Atlanta's The Chuckle Bungalow, Tiger absconds and runs off to win that year's U.S. Masters golf tournament by a record 12 shots in what is generally considered to be the finest single display of golf ever. Fast forward to today, and look at us. Tiger Woods is the greatest golfer of his generation, probably the greatest golfer of any generation, maybe the greatest single sportsman ever. And me, I'm David O'Doherty. Hello. David, how are you? Um, I'm really tired. I'm doing, I do three shows every day, and that is possibly too, too many. Right. <laughs> so I, 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 I don't normally sound like this. I have, right. a new, I have a new voice for the fringe. Ah, ah. I, I, I can't really express. I don't really intonate anymore. I just do really quiet or really loud. <laughs> Those are your two emotions. Yes! <laughs> uh, now, uh, what is your, uh, your, your, your stand show called? Um, well, I do a show at nine o'clock, a solo stand-up show called Let's Comedy every night, which is a selection of uh, talking and then songs played on a tiny keyboard, mostly songs about texting and girls. And, uh, <laughs> and then I do another show at midnight in the stand with uh, my friends uh, Daniel, Alan, and Andy, and where we make up a show, and that goes on till two in the morning. And then the problem is I'm doing a children's show every day at 2 o'clock, 2.20, in assembly room. So the fact that the late show often don't get, I don't get home from that till about 4, 
then having to get up at midday and do notes for the... Uh, look, it's, it's not as bad as a real job, but it's still pretty bad. <laughs> I didn't get into this to have to get up at midday and have a leisurely breakfast. Hang on, <laughs> I detect I'm not getting much sympathy. <laughs> Uh, now, uh, you've, uh, you've written children's books before. That is an area that you've... Uh, it's, it's a scene that you're keen to mine. Yeah, when I was in the university, I, um, I used to work with uh, kids in care a bit. And uh, uh, from that, I, I, I got two things. I got uh, worms and <laughs> uh, something of an understanding, I think, of what uh, six-year-olds find funny, and that is people falling over. Uh, and I, actually we were stuck when I was writing this kid's show we had a wizard who's a part-time wizard and I contacted a friend of mine who's a uh, very well-known children's author and I said I need a part-time job for a wizard what is the funniest possible part-time job that five-year-olds will laugh at and he texted back about 15 seconds later he works in an underpants factory <laughs> Uh, you, you're sharing your, your accommodation, I say, with Josie Long, who's, who's the, the she organised the Boggle Championships. Did she did, and uh, came tenth in it. She was furious about oh, it. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. That's that's not even a place in the semis, then, is it? Or the quarters? N- no, it's not. She went out in the first round to uh, to uh, someone that no one had heard of, to a veritable Serbia e Montenegro of the Boggle world, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so she was. Uh, yeah, she was. She was quite gutted about that. It's a very fun flat to live in, though. Jo- we, we all have a similar sense of humour, and um, so it's not really a boozy flat. It's more a crafts and glitter f- flat. <laughs> uh, no, uh, Leo Benedictus was on uh, uh, this, the podcast uh, a while ago. He was praising your show, and what what he was praising in particular uh, was the high energy aspect of it. Is that is that something you've been able to maintain, or are you now carried on in a stretcher? Um, uh, well, it's 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 a, a fact of the room. I mean, in uh, in Edinburgh, one one is 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 told about the room that you're going to play in, and it's it's very often exaggerated. Uh, mine was trying to do a, a like a basement where there's never been a gig before in Edinburgh. Yes, it sounds like Liverpool in the early '60s, and I'm the Beatles. And then it turns out to be it's more like where a Christian would have their 21st birthday party. It's, a, it's an absolutely sterile sort of like rugby club dance type room. So the only way to do the gig is by I turn the lights down really low, uh, I turn the microphone up really loud and just say jokes really soon after one another. <laughs> Which I guess is the definition of stand-up comedy, but uh, <laughs> maybe it's the first time I've realised that. Because that, that venue, that is the police club, isn't it, for 11 months of the it year? It is. It's the basement of the police club. And y- you have to say, traditionally, Irish people haven't had a great time in basements directly affiliated to the <laughs> British police services. But uh, there are no confessions obtained under duress in this show. The lovely, beautiful David O'Doherty has kindly agreed to perform an excerpt from his show uh, for us in a moment. Uh, before he does, I would like to thank all of my guests on the podcast this morning. Tom Rigglesworth, School of Comedy, Joe Gascoigne, Harry Deansway and David O'Doherty. <laughs> My name is David O'Doherty, but that won't be the title of my autobiography. To sell some more units, I'm going to call it Harry Potter and the Da Vinci Book of Sudoku. (laughs) World, you can mess with me once, and you'll probably get away with it. Mess with me twice, and chances are I still probably won't remember. But mess with me numerous times across a concerted period in a similar way and think you're going to get away with it. Well, you're wrong. Because I'm going to lampoon you through a comedy song, song, song. I'm talking about my beefs 2008. 
Things I've encountered that have left me irate. My beefs. 2008. Excuse me while I unleash some hate. Ah. Celebrity news. Stop appearing at the end of real news. You diminish the real news. And the death toll from the earthquake could rise as high as 15,000. Christina Aguilera's cat has alopecia. No! 23-year-old men, stop buying pointless accessories for your rubbish cars. This has gone on long enough. It's not the Batmobile. It's a 2002 Citroen Saxo. Blue lights underneath the chassis. Yeah, that's practical in that it stops junkies shooting up in your wheel arches. Condoms. Stop being so tricky. By that, I mean uh, the instructions, because it always goes, step one, remove the condom from the packet. No, that's where the problems start. Step one should be, meet a nice girl. Girls, text back quicker. Everyone, stop using the hottest picture of yourself ever as your MySpace or Facebook profile. You don't look like that, and you know it. And also, if you go to a fancy dress party, don't be tempted to put a picture of yourself in the awesome costume onto the internet. Because then it could happen. You hope that it doesn't, but in 18 months' time, you're trekking in the outback and you go missing. Well, then lazy, lazy journalists from shit newspapers will just find the most ridiculous picture of you dressed as a lobster. Your friend as an octopus. Have you seen these brave travellers? Do we really care? Low-cost airlines. Don't think I don't see what's going on. Every time I get in one of your flights, the seat in front of mine is moving slightly close towards my seat. Soon I'm going to start getting crushed. Even now, the aerostess comes around and goes, sorry, sir, can you take your headphones out for takeoff? They're not my headphones. They are my knees. The, the human being is no longer the ideal organism to travel long-haul economy class. The ideal organism is now the penguin. You just waddle on board and you say, excuse me, can you just lift me up and raise me into the seat, please? Excuse me, I'd like to sleep now. Can you lift me up and put me into the overhead compartment? Chicken or fish? Well, obviously I'll have fish. I'm a penguin. Chicken would be mutual flightless bird cannibalism. Finally, government advisory ads. So many of them in this country at the moment, and they're always the same. Don't drink and drive. Don't drink, become violent. Don't take drugs. Don't eat smelly food on public transport. And you know, you see, everyone knows you're not supposed to do those things. So those campaigns have no effect. What's needed is a new campaign that covers all of those spaces at the same time. And I have it. It's this. Everybody, come on, just don't be a dick. Seriously, everybody grow up and realize that's ironic come from a man playing a three-foot plastic piano we got for his 11th birthday. But everybody, stop being a knob and everything will be fine. Otherwise, you risk being part of my beefs 2009. Uh, thank you. Thanks very much for listening. Please keep downloading these podcasts at guardian.co.uk slash podcasts. I'm uh, off to get some keys cut. Well, hang on. What about doing something funny? No, I'm, I'm actually going to get some keys cut. That's what I'm doing. For more great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio.